Good morning from Astoria. Hey. This is Rachel. Hey, it's Ned. And who are you? Uh, I'm I'm Justin. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Justin. <laughs> hey, everybody. If you've been listening to our episode so far, you heard us flipping out over Justin's play because <laughs> we recorded a live version of Justin's play, Troop 54, right before our last playwright interview and then spent a good chunk of the interview just talking about how great <laughs> Justin's live play oh, was. Stop it. Oh, no. What a... An amazing day. Once again, we recorded that at the Drama Bookshop. Uh, please, if you haven't listened to that, pause this episode and go check out that live recording. Yes, because there will certainly be spoilers in this conversation. So yes. you should definitely yes. listen to the play. Can you talk to us about the genesis of you? Who are the you, genesis, Justin? The genesis of me. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, Justin Colombo. Uh, I live in Queens now. Um, I'm mainly an actor in New York. Um, and I grew up. You act? Do you have any upcoming gigs? I, I do, actually. Um, well inserted. In, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, by the time you listen to this, I will be on the national tour of Kinky Boots. Oh, um, rad. Yeah. So, so as you listen to this, I literally fly out in like 12 hours. Um, what track so, are you playing? So that people uh, can I'm look in for the you. ensemble and I'm, I cover uh, a bunch of the older dudes. Cool. Very, so, yeah. very cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm swinging, which is great because like I'm like so nervous about it, but I'm so excited about it because it's like it's a is challenge. Is this your first swing gig? Yes, yeah, my first swing gig. <gasps> How long ago did you book the show? Uh, I booked it like 24 hours ago. 24 oh. hours ago. And when do you leave? I leave in like 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Magic of theater. Yeah, you know. So That's it's, rad. It's amazing. It's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, so rewinding a bit. Yeah. Who are you and what have you done up to leaving for Kiki Boots what in 12 have, hours? What have I done up to? <laughs> Um, well, I was a sales advisor. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, before that, like I guess my biggest credit was I was on the national tour of Rock of Ages for essentially three years. Man. I hit 47 of the 50 states. Um, I went to every Canadian province, and I also did the show in Singapore. So cool. about a week before graduating from college, I had this national tour, and I just like went for it. Um, and then after that, moved back here, did like a couple of regional jobs and stuff like that and living that good New York life, which is, you know, really nice and fun and good. And while I was doing all that, I, I started writing, I think a bit actually out of boredom, but like, because when you're on a non-national tour, you're on a bus for so long. Like, for, you know, they say like... listeners who might not be familiar with that, non-ec is short for non-equity, which is a, a non-union tour. So yeah. before you join the union, yeah, yeah heading yeah. into... Yeah. Um, which is a very different schedule. It means a different thing for the kind of work you're doing. Yeah. It means like you're in, you know, you're in Lexington, Kentucky, and then the next day you get on a bus at six in the morning, you drive until two, you check into your hotel at 2.30, you get to the venue at three, you sound check, you set everything, you do the show, they pack it up, the crew moves on that night. You sleep in a hotel. The next morning you wake up, rinse, repeat. Woof. Yeah. I mean, and but but the, what was great is that even though Rock of Ages is like an explosive, crazy show, your body kind of never stops. Like you're like, I'm going to sleep on the bus. I'm going to pass out and I wake up. I'm good to go. So that was nice. And that like you were kind of always warm for it. Sure. But, um, but because I was on that bus for so long, I was like, you know what? Like I should do something. I should do something. So I started writing just kind of as like a, let me just see if I can do this and kind of go from there. Was this the first piece you worked on? Was this? Was yeah, I mean, I, so True 54 started um, when I was in high school. So in Massachusetts, we have something called the Massachusetts High School Drama Guild. And it's a short play, like one act festival. And it took place in the spring. And so because I also played lacrosse in high school, um, I always kind of had to like pick and choose between like, all right, am I doing this? Am I doing this? Or am I doing this competition? So it kind of took all of like the sports kid in me and threw it into theater. So I was like, the my junior year, we did a play called The Dining Room. And it was like the most fun. And we made it to state finals. And I was like, this is great. And like before semifinals, I'd be like, okay, so Cambridge Ringe and Latin is here. So in 2005, they went to the semifinals, but they didn't make it. The year before that, they did Tartuffe, and they made it all the way to finals. I so love the idea that... of Tartuffe being part of your like sports Oh, game. you have no idea. <laughs> Ooh, well, Tartuffe. Like, Ooh, that was a tough year. Yeah, and, that and was varsity. The, the crazy thing is that like there were schools at like, St. John's Prep. St. John's Prep, the dude who ran their program would take Shakespeare and with like a surgical knife would cut it down to 40 minutes, and you wouldn't miss a 
thing. What's crazy to me is that you are currently, like three examples you've picked for this story are also three of the best lacrosse schools in the country. (laughs) (laughs) These are three like unbelievable lacrosse high schools in Massachusetts. Which is why you do lacrosse professionally now. Of course, of course. (laughs) I play for the Long Island Lizards. Um, That's a a professional uh, major league lacrosse team. Where are you from? Do you want to give this school a shout out? What what high school? Oh, uh, Andover High School in Andover, Massachusetts. Um, And... And but like St. John's, they were an all boys school, so they would bring in girls from outside school. So the girls ringers. were always so good, ringers. But they were incredible. Like we saw, um, they did a production of Midsummer Night's Dream from the point of view of. Oh man, there's a guy at the beginning who comes in. He's like the steward, and he's like, "Hey, this uh, this." dad is here and like he's pissed off at his daughter he's like full of vexation come out with complaint mm-hmm. that dude who's like hey this guy's out here they did the show from his point of view and he they did it like a game show host so they have that whole fight scene so up on the board they were like oh helena gets a point hermia gets a point lysander gets a point and it That's was like wild. it was it was it was incredible it was amazing so i was like okay so they're gonna be here and they're really 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 good so so the year that they did 254 they did a 40 minute peer gint and it was amazing but so anyway, so high schoolers doing pure gint is that doesn't necessarily say to me like, oh, I can't believe I missed that one. You no, know it what sounds I mean? like oh, something oh, I, I would pay. I know, but the amazing watch. thing is that you're like, oh my god, that's oh. rad. That's very cool. Um, but that so, sounds like a cool place to start seeing theater. Oh yeah, well it was my first. It was my first real experience with like, oh, this is this is what good theater is. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, I, before that, I only really been to New York like once or twice. And, you know, I saw like Les Mis or, you know, I'm not Les Mis is excellent, but it was kind of like, oh, that's like, I was skimming the surface of kind of what theater was. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of my first full immersion into like, no, no, look at the cool stuff that this actually does. So my senior year, I showed up to the first rehearsal and our drama director was like, so our show, I don't know what it is, but I think we're going to create it. And it's going to have like, chanting and singing and like dancing and it'll be about like the world and i was sitting there just being like no 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 i did not i did not turn down varsity lacrosse for this so i said to her and i was like i was like look i was like give me a weekend i'll figure something out and in that weekend 40 minutes of troop 54 was written which 40 minutes uh it you know what it was it was um if you you obviously listen to the play if you have not Stop! Turn and, off. Really stop because like, stop I'm gonna it. I'm gonna ruin it. Um, <laughs> it's essentially they realize that uh, Kylie is a girl, and then they duct tape Alex Alex to a tree. He doesn't fall in the cavern. That was new. That was added. Girl Scouts come in, and then they're like, "Hey, get out of here!" And then they're like, "Oh, the play's over." Like it was nothing. It was nothing. It was nothing. But um, but. But it was something else. And I was like, this at least will give us laughs. Like, this will mm-hmm. at least do something. And the whole driving force behind this was the year before the dining room. We, it was like, we killed it. Like, we set up a dining room because you have to set up your set in five minutes, which is super cool. And we got disqualified because our show ran 40 minutes and eight seconds. Man, the Eight things we do to kids, seconds. and and all of us were like, "That's rough." We were like, "This is this is so good." It was the first time in like <coughs> sixty years my school had made it to finals in Boston, and we were eight seconds over. Ugh. And the next day, because we were the last show, then they always like give like a round of applause for like the, you know the school that went before. We got a five minute standing ovation from everyone because they were like, "If you guys weren't disqualified, like you you what you had it, you had it." And it's because we got we just got so holding for laughs. It was crazy. So it's like we, if we do this, we'll at least have a shot, and people will like it. And we got all the way to semifinals, and then we uh, ran into two judges who did not like it. Can <laughs> so, we actually? So. so in in preparing for this interview, um, Justin answered a couple of questions for us, and you mentioned something one of the judges said about <laughs> yeah. this play, which is funny, I think, in retrospect, because the show is so phenomenal now, but could you tell us what one of the judges of this high school, written by a high schooler, which presumably this judge knew, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because it says, like, it's an original piece, and it said me, and I was in it. I played Buddy. And he started off by saying, what is Troop 54? I'm asking that question honestly because I don't really understand why it is here. Oh, God. Um, 
Troop 54 is the American theater flatlining for 35 minutes. Oh my god! And but but here's the thing: as like as like a high schooler, I was like, yeah, okay, dude, I'm like whatever. Like, yeah, that's, that's your fine. poster quote when but this like, is yeah, Broadway. When like, this is oh Broadway, yeah, oh, of that course, is the well, of that the is the pull quote. <laughs> but like, but but then, but also, like, I'm also sitting there and I'm like, dude, like, it's not the cherry orchard. Like, it's a bunch of kids <laughs> making like fart jokes. Like, there were in the first edition because also, I was it's not the cherry orchard should be on the side of the marquee. Oh my god, it's, not not it's like just it's. Like well, and like what like uh, when something rotten first opened and they got like the lukewarm reviews, they had that thing that said um, Ben Brantley says we are now open on Broadway and it's like <laughs> it's very much like it's very much my like favorite that. one was when it was like Charles Isherwood says I haven't seen it yet yeah yeah <laughs> but uh, but I mean it was uh, part of me was like yeah it w- so the original uh, in- incarnation because I'm obsessed with The Office and I was even at that time the show had 28 that's what she said jokes. So like 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 in anytime, the thirty five minute yeah. show yeah so like oh, if you great. want pause go back and listen to True Fifty Four and just see how many that's what she said jokes you can insert because I trust you, I just trust me on this they were all there at one point <laughs> they were all there at one point so and then you you can't do that now because you know Steve Carell owns that so yeah he's yeah. he has a trademark that's his thing yeah. so it is. It is hysterically funny, and well, I would love you. to talk a little bit about your thoughts on comedy in a little bit, but I actually really do want to start with just the, beyond we have to write something funny for this uh, for this um, competition, were you, a, were you a Boy Scout? Is this coming out of, is this personal pain that you were mining from this? What, what, how does this mirror your own childhood? And you know what? Was it not pain, and this is wonderful to you? <laughs> yes. You know what? It, it, I, I was a Cub Scout. Which actually, for this interview, I was like, "Wait!" I was like, "Can I say I'm a Boy Scout?" And I looked it up, and I was a Cub Scout, and that like blew my mind because there are <laughs> levels. There are levels. There's Cub Scouts, which is like Tiger Cub, Wolf Cub, Bear Cub. All right, girl Weebla. question. Yeah, is this a different organization, or is this like brownies to it's, girls? It, it's it's like uh, it's like Little League. It's okay, Little League, and then there's Boy Scouts. If you're a Boy Scout, it means you're like 12 to 18. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, like Girl Scouts, like there's like brownies and then you're a Girl Scout and then I don't know what the other levels are because juniors I'm, and don't yeah. worry about it. It's but like, nuts. but like it, you can think of it like when someone's like, oh, I'm a brownie. Like mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, I do Cub Scouts, but like I'm like 11. So gotcha. Like, it's, gotcha, gotcha. It's, it's like that. It's like the lower tier. Okay. Um, so I did that all the way through. I got my arrow of light, um, which is like the award you get for like making it all the way through, which is like they give you an arrow. And I'm like, okay, cool. Is- you, ha- you have like of, you have you have dinner in like a hotel light? and they're like here's a salad. An like this is like an light. achievement the, in a video game. Like you received light. the arrow of light. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah. You received the arrow of light, but like me and like twenty other kids got it. So it's like okay, like, <laughs> great. But then, but then, things for their hit points. But then, in order really? to get your arrow of light, you or at least for my uh, district or my oh, there's a word. How for How many it. side quests did you have to complete? Um, <laughs> no, there was only one, and it was like you have to go. You have to go to like a big kids meeting and you have to like, you know, experience that. And I remember I remember going there and experiencing about five minutes of like, this is what we do. And then the rest of it was one of the older kids was like talking to us in like their church basement and like their like kids daycare. And he was like, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, I don't know, like you guys want to hear like some like dirty stories and pickup lines. And I was like, dude, I'm 12. Like. (laughs) All right, but all right, like let's go. So a lot of Troop Fifty Four came out of me just sitting there being like, "Dude, what is happening right now? Like, what, what is this? What, what is?" But like all of us were like, "Yeah, yeah no, no, no." But like, tell, like, tell, like, what's like a good like good pickup pickup line? Oh, okay, what was like, the answer to that question? Your name, your name is I'm... Fred Flintstone because you can make her bedrock. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, no, all right, like gonna write, taking no, no, notes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that down because that's that's so good. Oh man, like that can't miss. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so that's where True Fifty Four kind of came from. Is it's one evening in a church basement with like toxic max- masculinity. Yeah. That's d- like yeah. where this oh, did you, yeah, did you yeah. like base? Yeah. I mean, did you take that experience and base these characters on the people experiencing those stories with you? Kind of. I mean, I mean, there's like a whole section where they're like, well, "So what do you guys want to know about?" Like girls, and he's like, "All right, fine. Like that's cool." Like this, like whole like nonchalant, but like also like I shouldn't be telling you this, but like no, like we're a, like a boys club. We're like dude, we're twelve. Like oh, come on, like, <laughs> there's so no stupid. such thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we're we're basically uh, just like weeblos. Yeah, like yeah, we're just yeah. we're dude. I was just a tiger cub. Okay, <laughs> like we can calm down. Um, so a lot of it came from that, like of like 
I, I think like in that moment for me, I was like, oh, the Boy Scouts are like, yeah, like a cool thing and like noble. Like we help ladies cross the street. Like we sell popcorn because, you know, that's a thing people want. But also it was like, it was like, <laughs> no, it's like, oh, this is no, like we're like edgy and like cool. But I like, do like this. And I like the mindset that you're selling the popcorn out of a need for popcorn. Like people in the world. desperately yeah. need popcorn. No, it's like, I mean, it's like, popcorn. I mean, and the Girl Scouts have cookies. Like just yeah. like let them have that. You know what I mean? That's like, oh, well, like, uh, you know, uh, Brooklyn Bagel has bagels. So, you know, we're going to make, we're going to open up right next to them. We're going to sell sandals. And you're <laughs> like, the, why? Are, no, just like, don't sell. Just no like, one needs the sandals. Be cool. Or, the or like, sell bagels, but like, make them worse or like, make them a little bit better. Popcorn, come on. Comes in like a big old box. It was they were heavy boxes too, like a ten year old this carrying ten to a Walmart. It's Which brings us to so you did not stay a Boy Scout. No, no, okay. no, no, no. Okay. no I uh, I didn't. I didn't because I started doing theater and those rehearsals were at night and I couldn't go to all the meetings. So I think even like my last year, I was like, hey, you guys, like I I'm I'm not gonna show. Like I just can't do it. I think my mom stopped like writing it on the thing, but I still got my air of light. So mm-hmm. nailed it. You know, don't worry about that. This play, Troop Fifty Four, has very few uh, uh, statements that feel like real comments on your view on the world. <laughs> but the one that really stood out to me comes right towards the end, said by Kevin when he yells into the cavern and sell your cookies year round. You have a shitty business model. Well, yeah, and that felt like a really personal attack. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which, which, here's the thing. I'll second um, that. That felt personal. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's one thing that I subscribe to in life as an actor, as a writer, which is um, good artists create, great artists steal. Great. So I was writing True 54 and then John Mulaney, who we all know from his life because he blew up, did an SNL special, an SNL special, an SNL monologue on Weekend Update where he talks to directly to the Girl Scouts. And he's like, what are you guys doing? Like, what are you doing? You're, why are you selling these outside of like a supermarket? I want these. I want them now. Don't make me buy them in bulk. Give them to me whenever I want them all year round, please. What are you doing? And I was like, yeah, you are right. <laughs> yeah. And I threw that in there. But I mean, but now you can get them online through their mm-hmm. website. They're starting to sell them year round. Like it's more of like a, oh, let's not make this a drive. Let's make this a cash flow, which yeah. I think is super smart. So uh, Girl Scouts of America, good they for did you. it. They did it. Golf good work, good work. So Golf can I ask, um, jumping off of beyond attacking the Girl Scouts, rightfully, I think, um, <laughs> what has changed uh, beyond the expansion of it? Right. Because it's it was yeah. 40 minutes, yeah. I mean, it was like 40 minutes thing. and now it's 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 full two acts. What do you think has changed? the most kind of from that first bunch of time is or structurally or content wise has it has it shifted a lot for you yeah i mean i think and and maybe maybe it's because like that one comment from that judge really kind of cut me deep is that the question <laughs> i always i always ask is is like like what like what is this like what what does this say like what does this do because if if it if the answer is like well it's just funny then it's just two hours of comedy, you know, and like you go home. So like the question always is like, you know, what is what does this do? What does this say? I think that's the thing that's it's still kind of trying to find. And about maybe like a year ago, I was kind of like I went back to it because 254 for my writing is always like, well, let me just like I don't know, open that up again and like f- see if there's anything there is. It's this idea of just like, hey, who you are is fine. Like, that's great be you like don't like try to be anything else being you is the best thing you could be that's it like uh, there was there was a lot in the initial version of kylie being like no like like i just feel like more comfortable here and they're like yeah but you're a girl and it was funny but now i'm like no like kylie just wants to hang out because these are her friends like it's not like she like you know, feels like the need to you know like chop wood or like i don't do anything she's like no like i like you guys i just want to be here like being here is the best, you know, like it's like the reason like all of us, if we all went to camp, like why you go back? Because you're like, my camp self is my best self. That's what I, you know what I mean? Like that's like that's an incredible sentence. Oh, thank you. Thank Can you. Can that be you. at the beginning? Of that's that? the poll. <laughs> my camp self is my best self. That makes total sense to me. It yeah. also kind of dovetails with we were talking a lot about. Well, and I think a lot of the actors were talking about that day. There is. Uh, People I, talk to me about this show. Yeah, constantly. absolutely. I've and run into these actors at, at auditions or on the street, mm-hmm. and they're always talking about 254. Which I think does recommend uh, it. Well, that's not how I want to put that sentence. It, <laughs> to my mind, nothing needs to recommend it. It's fucking baller. It doesn't need a recommendation. But uh, speaks to there being more there than just two hours of jokes, which yeah. I think is is rad. 
Um, but I think that there's something really interesting in that because it sort of undeniably um, touches upon gender. But where does that live for you? Do, is this a play about gender for you? Is this not a play about gender for you? You know what? You know what? Actually, right before when when Ned approached me and he's like, hey, I want to do True 54 for this podcast. The first thing that went off in my mind was, okay, I have to make sure that the the gender within the show is either specific or it's, you know, like it's not making light of like, oh, you you're hanging out with the boys. Is that because you want to be a boy because you identify as a boy? And I was going back and forth about like how to like how to write that. And like I wrote a couple things. And I was like, but that doesn't feel like I have like, you know, like the grasp of it. And I feel like that's even cheapening it. And I talked to Ned about it. And I was like, what do you think? And Ned was like, I think it's fine. <laughs> and I was like, that's the worst. And I, you, you said something to the extent of like, the fact that the fact that it isn't there doesn't mean it's a non-issue. The fact that it, it doesn't come up means that for these kids, it doesn't matter. Like, it's like, like I said, like it, it been that moment for me, I was like, that's what this is. It's just about like, you're in the woods. It's like, you know, it's finding yourself in a moment in the woods, you know, like who you are. And, you know, I mean, and the Girl Scouts have this kind of, you know, Xena warrior princess kind of vibe, but that's because I look at Girl Scouts. I mean, I look at Boy Scouts differently, but I look at Girl Scouts and I'm like, good for you. Like, get out there, like do some good. Like, you know, like even like the Boy Scouts that I know now, like the, like I, I did Rocky Horror this summer and one our Brad was a Boy Scout and we were like, hey, we're going to make a bonfire. And he's like, I got this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. All right, Harley. Life like, skills. let's go. Yeah. Like, and like, my, I, I guess I always like looked at my mom because she was a Girl Scout. She still has her sash. And I was like, that's like a good, like strong human being. Like, that's what that is. Like, you're here. I know what I want. I'm here to get it. Boom. So that's, that's what the, the Girl Scouts came out, you know, in, in the show for me. Just being like those kind of real, like going for it. Like, no, 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 we're going to find you in the woods and we're going to get you back because you have something that we need for world domination. And in the original version, they were like, we're like, what do you guys want from us? And they're like, well, we want the world, but that's a separate thing. <laughs> but like, yes. Yeah. So like, and, in, in, you know, even where did, uh, where did, what did Steven, what are the, what's the other guy's name? Date. Stephen Dave. Stephen wow. Dave. Where did Stephen Dave? Mountain Ranger. Stephen yeah. Dave. Stephen Dave came in actually when I was writing it, and I was just like, I'm so sick of these kids. Like, I just want to. <laughs> just let me write something. And I think I think I was on tour. And like, I got home one night from like the bar, and I was like, let me just like write something. And so that whole opening Dave thing was just stream of consciousness. Let's just go. And then I was like, oh no. This is weird. This is weird, <laughs> but like this friend. works great. Yeah, better give him a friend. Like let's throw something on there. Um, but but what it does, I think, is I think they they break it up. So it's like oh, I'm just not dealing with these kids again. And it gives you that kind of moment of like, I I wonder where these kids are. Like this all can't be happening like right in front of my face. Like they got to get down in the cavern and they got to do all this. And like you know, Brad's got to get elsewhere. So it just kind of gives it like a little bit more of like a do these people really exist kind of vibe. <laughs> There's a there's a joke that I didn't even catch until we read it out loud, which was uh, when they come back in with Brad in the back with a blanket draped over his shoulder. Yeah, like why didn't we just wait and two buddy, minutes? Why didn't we just wait two more minutes? Yeah, it's so good. But, but well, and that that can't, that <laughs> that joke. Here's 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 the weird thing about like the writing of this of this show is that I added that joke about two years ago, but it was because it was a thought I had when we were doing it in high school, where I was just like, wait wait, because Brad would come back in, he's like, wait, what is happening here? And they're like, uh, nothing. And I was like, why don't they, why don't they, why don't these kids just like hold off? Like he's coming right here. They should see him. Like what is happening? Come on. You idiot. You idiot. I think the planners is kind of the best part of the, uh, of them as like the group, the group think model is like not good, but it's like lovable. Yeah. It's not oh, good yeah. group thing. Oh yeah. Um, can I ask based on uh, Steve and Dave and also a little bit of the Girl Scout discussion, is there a villain in this show for you? Who's, who, what's the opposition? Uh, yeah, yeah. Is it the girls? Is it the is no. it nature? Is it bets? <laughs> yeah. Is it bets? No, you know what? It, 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 it started off as Alex because Alex is just the worst. Sure. The worst. Um, <laughs> and, he ends up naked in a hole. That's fine. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, so Alex starts out as the villain, but then I think kind of towards act two, the villain becomes like, you know, 
like uh, like the pressure that like everything puts on you like buddy's fighting against you know like he's like i got my brother and like i'm fighting against that and that's like ruining my life and i just got to be okay with that um but i and it used to be like the girl scouts were like this villainous kind of thing but i think that no they're just like living their lives so the villain for me is Alex, and then the villain I think shifts to like that darkness you have inside yourself. Yeah. So like, we can which... funny voice that, but that makes absolutely well, yeah. Well, yeah. well, because because I think like you know for these kids like at like twelve years old for them to have like that kind of like voice in the back of the head being like, hey, kids are gonna make fun of you. Kids are gonna make fun of you. Yeah. Like that's that for me was like hard. like I was like that's the thing that I want these kids to find is that like no like in this circle of people. I got this. I got this. And then I'm there's cool. Peter. And then there's Peter, who's the best. But I mean, he's like the one who doesn't, he doesn't seem like he cares if people make fun of him right up until the Girl Scouts do. At which point he says like the most heartbreaking one where they're like, he's like, what hurts? He's like, my heart. <laughs> You're like, yeah. oh God. Yeah. Well, and, but that's, Peter's interesting. I'll say this about Peter. I, when I was writing Peter, the one thing I always thought of was Peter doesn't exist in our world. Like Peter lives on another planet and he flies in on a spaceship and he's like, <laughs> I'm here, you guys. But that feels right. But 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 that moment, you know, I, when I was writing it, I was like, no, it's like that's kind of his re- reality crashing into everyone else's. Like, no, it's like this kid might be an idiot, but at the baseline, he's like a just like a good person trying to live their life. Like he lives in this bubble of like, no, no, no. Like I'm in the gifted class for kids with gifts. Like that's just what it is. And the minute that his reality kind of grounds, it's like, no, like these are kids. Like, come on. Like, whoo, Peter, come on, man. I want to do a shout out actually for our, our live taping had a, a just an crazy number of phenomenal actors. That uh, day. We were, yes. we were lucky, lucky ducks to get that group of people. Peter played by the phenomenal Matt Silva, mm. uh, Matt De Silva, excuse me, yeah, as I screw up his name, Matt De Silva. <laughs> um, uh, a ridiculous human to be playing a ridiculous part oh, and, and very much I think as a director felt like kind of an emotional core of what you were saying about friendship and what you were saying about um, difficulty and personal yeah. demons and all that so yeah uh, um, on that sort of note of uh, these kids and where they came from can you talk a little bit about and it doesn't have to be just Troop 54 yeah. but um, your influences for this is this uh, did you did you watch or read a lot of kind of like boy friendship stuff growing up are you a big sandlot fan oh (laughs) oh come on you're killing me smalls no of course oh of course of course no i actually i have a great hambino t-shirt um yeah and it came out of that like because as like a kid like i would watch the sandlot and be like yeah like those are like my yeah that's my group of friends like we all play baseball and like we had like we had that in my neighborhood you would ride your bike at like eight in the morning all the way down to the other side of the street you know, we had like a big sandlot, so we'd play like football there and baseball. And if you hit it over the telephone wire, it was a home run. There, we'd get into fights about it. You know, whether or not it was foul or fair. And like, we play flashlight tag. So like, I had that group of friends. But like, yeah. you're always kind of like, like Chris is an asshole. Like Chris sucks. Or like Ryan is a is an idiot. But Ryan's mom does get us Capri Sun, so we're gonna be okay with that. <laughs> you know, so so like, I didn't have anyone specifically like that, but actually falling kind of back into that when I was writing this was kind of like, okay, so if I turn, you know, if I turn my life about 15 degrees and I look at it from like Ryan's perspective, like what's actually going on with him? Like what's his life like? What is that? Which I think as a kid, especially maybe as, I don't know, maybe it's a boy thing, but I was just like, nah, like Ryan lives in his house and like, you know, we pick on his little brother, you know, like we just live there and, you know, live our lives. Or like, oh, you know, Chris and Mike, you know, like, you know, they live across the street, like their dad's crazy or like whatever. So it's like if you spin my life 15 degrees and you look at it from them, like, what is that like? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which I tried to do with kind of all these kids is like to flesh them out is be like, what does life look like through them? And how does that translate to here? Especially if you do have Boy Scouts as this kind of place to be like, no, 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 I'm just like you guys. Like we're all here. You know what I mean? Like, like Jim, it was the hardest one to find for that because he's kind of in his own little world all the time. So what is it like for Jim to have that circle where he's like, no, I can like, I can be myself, but like, I do have this one thing that like I love doing all the time. So what do I, how do I, you know, get that there? I, uh, right after the reading, I was chatting with one of the people who came and saw it because we had the live audience, which was so good. And I'm glad you mentioned Sandlot because he brought up Sandlot. He was like, it's like the Sandlot for theater. The other thing he said that I really liked, and when people ask me about, this play and like where I think it lives in the world of theater, 
I now steal his answer, you know, because great artists steal. Didn't you just say that? Mm-hmm. Nailed it. So um, he said, it's the only place in theater that exists in a world that actually exists in film, like uh, uh, Role Models, Anchorman. Like it lives in a, in a world of comedy that doesn't really exist right now in theater. There's either like... Like contemporary farce doesn't really like, exist in And there's like the really theater. high highfalutin comedies. You know, mm-hmm. like you get like some of the Tracy Lett stuff that's funny and tragic all at the same time. And you have like really lowbrow comedy, which like lives in like something rotten. But like, there's not much that lives in that plane of like 40 year old virgin in film. Like the, there's, there's not many plays that do that. And he was stoked about it. Until because, you, Justin. Yeah, he was stoked because I did it. It filled you a did. place I in theater it. that he'd never seen on stage before. Do you think, are there uh, writers, are there playwrights, or I, I guess performers as well that, that bleed into your work that yeah. you feel like Ooh. are your your personal who like you're who you're aiming animals? for yeah who are your who are your theatrical spirit animals oh that's a good who, who would be question. on the who would be on the vote of candles oh my god um that's ooh. such a good question i know oh my god um i'm trying to think there's a good like sound effects and stuff like Who's your spirit animal? Who is your theater? We should always animal. ask who's your spirit animal so we can have like an eagle like sound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not worried about the appropriation aspect of that. <laughs> okay, all right, okay, all right. It's a couple. It's a couple, and I'm gonna. <laughs> we can we'll make like it neat. Yeah, an elephant. That'll make it. If we make it weird enough, it won't be appropriation. <laughs> that's or a dolphin. Maybe? A dolphin. Who's your spirit animal? <laughs> yep, that's what it is. There it is. That was it a good dolphin? That was a phenomenal Thank you. dolphin. Thank you. Rachel Flynn, uh, represented by... No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we'll be on Animal Planet in no time. I'm deep in thought, y'all. We really gave we you really, some... Yeah, that to, threw me to, through a curve. I mean, this. okay, all right. It's a lot to be actors I'll, to, people you like. It doesn't have to be... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll spitball. Um, oh my God, I'm going to butcher his name. Go for Go it. Go for um, it. Stephen Adley Kyrgyz. <laughs> okay, he wrote um he wrote um motherfucker with a hat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote Okay, my one of my favorite plays of all time. It's not my all-time favorite because I'm saving that for like when I find it. Um is The you Last The Last change, Days of right? Judas Iscariot. So, yeah. because good. because what it does is it takes something that like, you know, or at least I was acutely aware of growing up and like, you know, like what like if, if this actually happened in our life, like, you know, like what would this look like? Let's spin things a little bit and kind of look at them differently. Let me kind of, you know, bring stuff out of it. Like you have Peter saying like, you know, he's like, you know, there's a basilica, you know, in Rome named after me, which is funny because if you mentioned Rome to my face, you know, your ass would be walking home. But then you also get this incredible moment at the end of the show, spoiler alert, um, where uh, Judas and Jesus have a conversation and he says to him, he's like, dude, like you left me. Like if I was doing something wrong and you had this, forethought and this foresight you should have told me that and i was like oh my god yeah oh my god sure. why did i think oh that's amazing but it comes from this real place like you have pontius Pilate saying like look what was i supposed to do what was i supposed to do you guys and you're like yeah what were you supposed to do so i love that thing of like you know like let's look at something we all kind of you know know relatively and kind of like look at it in a modern world so I think he's, I, but I also love Chekhov solely because, and when I was in Russia, I really got that from them. The thing that I love about Chekhov is that it is little people dealing with little problems. And the Russians think that's hysterical. Like the Cherry Orchard is a play about these people trying to, you know, hold on to a cherry orchard that no longer serves any purpose. And the Russians are like, yeah, get rid of it. You idiots, you yeah. idiots. Oh my God, oh, you lost all your stuff. Yeah, because you didn't get rid of this thing that is dead. You fools, you fools. Like the seagull, like, dude, this girl doesn't like you and you have issues with your mother. Figure yourself out. Like, come on. And there's- It's an episode is, of Maury, but well, told by Russians. And it's uproarious comedy. Yeah, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. And 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 there's like, and, and but the thing I love about Chekhov is that it's it's so small and so minute. It's like little, it, it's, I will say this, and I don't want this to get taken out of context. It's why I personally love Hamilton, is that there's so many small, tiny things that you're like, that's amazing. Oh my God. Like this little moment, like um, Southern motherfucking Democratic Republicans. Yeah. Like and you're just like, oh, hell yeah. 
But Chekhov has all these kind of minute little details that he kills. Like, so when he was writing Cherry Orchard, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but Cherry Orchard in Russian is Vishnuvisad. He had the, he, when he was writing it, he's like, okay, if I stress either the first syllable, it becomes, you know, a cherry orchard for cherries, for the fruit. So something that bears fruit. If I stress the second syllable, it becomes a cherry orchard for cherry blossoms. He's like, it's much more real if these people are trying to hold on to a cherry orchard that no longer has cherry blossoms. And that's the only, it, this thing cannot bloom ever again. Let go of it. And I was like, oh, get out of here, dude. You killed it. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. But it's that m tiny little detail just in the title that he's like, you know, like, and there are all these letters between him. I, I, I'm obsessed with him and Stanislavski and their relationship. He has all these letters where like, you know, Stanislavski will write to him and be like, you know, I think uh, I'm looking at your play and I really think that, you know, this is happening or this is going on or, you know, Trigorin should be, you know, like a, a, a strapping young man. He's like, no, dude, like, just do it. Like, it's, it's, these are small things that you're, Trigorin is a dude and what upsets Constantine is that he's a, a big, you know, powerful dude who like doesn't wear shoes when he's in the country. It's like these little things that bother him that he's a real person. And Stanislavski was like, yeah, okay, you're right. <laughs> But like, but Chekhov is just like, no, I'm just writing things that I think are real and things that I think are pertinent or like what I think is creates a real person, which is amazing. Can I, I'm going to steal a phrase of yours that I thought was uh, stunning. Uh, a, oh, couple, uh, a couple of sentences ago, you, you were talking about um, viewing something else from 50, changing your, you know, skewing your life 15 degrees mm -hmm. um, to get into the perspectives of these uh, of these other characters who weren't you or these other kids you played baseball with growing up. And it feels like that's a little bit of a running theme in some of the things you're talking about. Like that's what Judas Iscariot, Last Days of Judas yeah. Iscariot does is it takes a story and moves it 15 degrees for the purposes of perspective and empathy. Um, it also feels like that allows you to sort of amplify on the details, on the things that you wouldn't necessarily have grabbed onto before. Is that something that you find yourself noticing a lot in your writing? Is that something that... Is there a running theme in your, how about this? I'm mapping on a running theme <laughs> onto your work, but can you tell me, is that, if there was sort of a mandate for what you're writing, what is it? Is it is it empathy? Is it perspective shifting? I think, honestly, I think it's I think it's perspective shift. Okay. I think I think that's that's what I find interesting, kind of as as an actor, as, as a writer. Um, when I was on Rock of Ages, one of my very good friends in the world, Judah Frank, came into our show as a swing. And what I was obsessed with is that in his ensemble onstage swing track, he had a full plot going on. And it blew my mind. Like it was, I think it was the first time I was like, oh my God, like in this scene, like you're literally pushing someone out of this club because you're like, no, you. I told you you couldn't come with us. You can't come with us. So just get it. And I was like, that's amazing. So if you turn Rock of Ages 15 degrees and it's all about on, you know, onstage swing number two, you have a completely different story that blew my mind. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other kind of com fully completed full length work that I've done is actually it's a Seagull adaptation, which looks at it's all it's called Constantine and it's done from uh, Constantine Treplev's point of view. So it's it the whole play. I'll, not to like plug it, but um, <laughs> no plug, plug it. it. That it was going to be next anyway. But it, so it came out of um, I saw in this actually is really what I hold kind of like sacred in my heart i saw this production of ivanov when i was in russia and my master teacher was in it and he came in one day to work with us and he sat down and he was like oh. so i just got out of rehearsal and we're doing the show backwards and we were like what so ivanov if you don't know is chekhov's first kind of play and it's about this man and he you know his wife gets sick and she eventually dies spoiler alert and um i guess they I had some time to catch it. up yeah, I yeah mean, it's fine you'll be fine and he falls in love with this other woman and then it's the only time on stage someone shoots themselves so it's like and it's very reminiscent of the seagull and everyone's like yeah well he wrote this and then he was like oh well it's not good so i'm just gonna write something better and so the play starts with you know we we saw the preview of it lights go down to half and you hear a gunshot and it's this dude at the front of the stage, and he's got a, a revolver slumped over. And someone walks on stage, and they say, Ivanov. And he look, look, looks up, comes back to life, sighs, and continues. So they do act four, act three, act two, and then act one. 
So what you see is this guy being like, I've made this choice to be with this other woman and my wife is dead. And slowly his wife comes back into the picture. And this woman that he, you know, you know, is marrying or, or wants to marry in act four, you know, slowly kind of removes herself from this. Now he also shoots himself multiple times. And he's like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. At the end of the show, at the end of act one, he sees his sick wife, you know, and he's like, I'm trapped in here. I'm trapped in this. Puts the gun to his head, pulls it, nothing. Throughout the entire show, he shoots himself six times. He got six bullets in a, in a revolver. And it's it was like, I was like, that's what this is about. This moment of you sh- killing yourself at the end of this play is you giving up. So now what do you do? When you're out of bullets and you now have to go back through everything we just saw you go through, what do you do? So it's like shifting that perspective mm-hmm. 15 degrees and saying, what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't? So Constantine, to get kind of back into that, is the seagull, but it's it starts off as if Treplev is running the show, as if like he's he, he starts off with him being like, this is our stage. Nina will be here uh, in a little bit. My mother's here. And he kind of like works as like your narrator throughout the whole process. And he's changing things. So things are different. Nina falls in love with him. Tregorn's not an issue. He comes back in act two and everything is as if it were going through with the original show. And then Soren, who plays his uncle, who's like a very wise person, steps in and he's like, hey, whatever you're doing right now, you got to quit that shit. Okay? I know you're in love with her and I know you want to see her, but this is how you see her every day is if we do this. Okay? We're in this archipelago of these stories that like, he's like, you know, there are three sisters who live across the lake. They're trying to get to Moscow. You know, one day they actually made it on the train and on the train to Moscow, they fell asleep. And you know where they woke up the next day? Right back in that same house. Because you are not a real person. You are a character in a play. And your job is to go through this. You can't change it. Because this is a train going so fast in one direction, you can't stop it. If you are in love with her and you want to see her, guess what? You have the opportunity every single night that we get to do this. Don't mess with it. If you want to love her and you want to have her in your life, you have to let go. What's important for you in that, in and having Constantine feel like, feel like he has to participate in his own story. I think I think it's 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 about like looking for control. It's like looking for like you know like I'm trying to find these things in my life that I can cling on to that are real and that I can, you know, I want this so bad and why can't I have it? The answer that I kind of answer or the answer that I came to was you can have it. You have to have it on these terms. So your option is to continue to bang your head against the wall or fall back into it and just be like, look, I only get to see you for 30 minutes every day, but I'm gonna make sure that that, it's like the notebook, or that guy every day is like, I'm gonna start from scratch on this because that's the only way, if I get 10 minutes of that, it's worth it, it's worth it. So it's finding that, But but it was looking at the seagull and kind of shifting it 15 degrees and saying like, what would that be like? What would that be? So with True 54, I kind of took all those kids and to bring it back in after. A, no, please do. Because you was, just went from Chekhov to the notebook back to your play. I know. <laughs> back I to True 54. I know. I'm, I am I tried to kind of look at all these kids as, you know, like, these kids are real. Like, let's make them real. Let's make them exist. You know, like, at one point at the end of the show, if you haven't listened to the play, please uh, stop now and go back. Um, <laughs> Peter turns to the audience and he's like, I bet you're wondering what happened to your favorite scouts. Initially, I wrote like a full epilogue, like at the end of um, uh, Spelling, Spelling Bee. Bee. Yeah. And then I was like, I wrote it and I was like, nah, this is bad. I deleted it immediately. But I was like, but I love that like for Peter, it's like, what if Peter is like our moral compass for this? What if Peter is our way in? Oh, yeah. But then it's like, no, it's just hysterical that Peter's like, hey, guess what? I get it. Like, I know where we are, you guys. I'm <laughs> self-aware. What is happening? But like, but shifting that and being, and then you, if if you look back at the play now, there's a lot of moments where he's like, no, no, I know, I get what's happening. I get it. I'm an idiot. <laughs> but you know, just kind of like, and I think, I think that's what, as an actor, that's what I like about writing is that you can kind of step into the boots of every character and then literally say like, okay, so if I'm looking at this and I'm going to like, you know, break down the scene and give myself beats, what am I looking for? Like, what, I'm, what do I need? What do I feel like I'm not getting? What would they want to do? And go from there. Which is, which is the thing I found when I was writing on tour is I was like, oh my God, like Rock of Ages might be a show with Whitesnake and poop jokes, but it actually is like extremely well written, like, and it crushes it. And like, oh, oh my sure. God. 
And I was like, I never really like knew that. I was just like, oh, like, yeah, it's like fart jokes. And I was like, no, but like, it's about, you know, every person in that audience knows one of us, like in real life, or they were one of us. You know, it's like um, Ricky Gervais said to Steve Carell when he was starting The Office, he's like, the best piece of advice I can give you is that if you don't know Michael Scott, like if you don't know a Michael Scott, you are Michael Scott. <laughs> and which is which is brilliant because, you know, yeah. like you can you can find those people. But I was like, everyone's being like, yeah, like that what I did have a dream like that that was big. And maybe I settled, but like, no, like it's fine because I can listen to Don't Stop Believing and I'm right back there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that what's what's what I love about being an actor and being a writer at the same time is kind of being like being able to look at every single person. You know, and saying like, oh, okay, this is a cool thing, or this is a cool thing, or oh, this would be a cool moment for that, or let me find something for this. So, I don't know. That's rad. <laughs> I know your your theatrical worldview is so is so well, baller, you. and I love that. I think it's really clear from all from your writing the disparate influences that are, are all coming in. That's so fucking cool. Thank Listen, you. am I allowed to drop an f bomb on our show, Marcus? We've dropped like six. I think I've said I think I've said, no, I've said lady, nine. I say said, fuck a lot. You cool. said it twice. <laughs> I've said it twice. Well, I'm the medium lady then. Uh, is there a place? And uh, we'll edit this out if there isn't. Um, is there a place that people can go online to check out your work if uh, if they're so inclined? I I want to hear more about Constantine. Kind of. Um, yeah. Kind of. We're working at. It. All right. Um, all right. But uh, I or will say. How about say your this. work as a performer? Can people go on and find you? We're working on okay, it. Okay, okay. Um, but but here's the thing. If if you do like have questions, you're like, hey, I'm really interested in this. I want to like check it out. Like, um, I do have a baseball blog. Um, <laughs> yes, of course you do. Uh, of course I do. Uh, Mets ca- fan? Is this what I'm hearing? He, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I grew up a Red Sox fan. When I moved here, I was like, I gotta have something. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, Still mad about it, but continue. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, and then I went to a Mets game and I was like, oh yeah, this is that like tortured soul life I've been missing. Because of the Shake Shack too? No, I, I've never Shack? gone to the Shake Shack at City Field. Oh, what it's you great. need to do is you need to go to Keith's Grill. All right. It's in the right field. Uh, no, excuse me. The left field corner. Okay. And it literally, it's Keith Keith Hernandez. It's his like favorite burgers. So he makes them. He sometimes will grill them. It's the best. But you get a Tootsie Pop with it. And it's, oh man, it's the best. You get a Tootsie Pop you with get a your Tootsie burger? Pop. Yeah, because he loves Tootsie Pops. I'm so excited Yeah, I know. That. It's the best. I'm it's so excited best. about that. It's, it's so good. I should also say you can go, uh, can can we get your blog uh, Yeah, address? sure. It's um it's uh, 3 up 3 down blogcom 3 up 3 down blogcom mm-hmm. You can also check out a little bit more about Justin Colombo at our website. You want to give him that website? Yeah, it's www.chargingmoosemedia.com slash at the table podcast. Yes, it will have links to everything we've talked about today with Justin, including when he has when, writer and performer websites. When we'll I get have those the up. time. It will definitely right now have uh, content info if you are interested in uh, hearing a little bit more about getting True 54 produced at your major Broadway theater. Uh, and also it will have a little bit it's of information. It's a Broadway Tampa, so. Yeah, at the, Bro- the Broadway Tampa. It's an excellent community. We're on Broadway. We are right on Broadway. Now. Yeah, we're currently on Broadway in Astoria, Queens. We are. There's actually a really important question that I'm a little disappointed at us. We forgot to ask. Oh, God. I'm sorry. What is your favorite snack? Oh, God. Oh, How did we miss that one? What's your favorite snack, Justin? What's okay, your right. favorite snack? Okay, all right, snack? all right. So here, here's my question. Here's my question, okay? If you say snack, yeah. are you yep. talking like, oh, I'm hungry. I just want a little snack. Or are you talking like, I'm leaving for the day. I'm throwing this in my bag. No, 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 no. We're talking like, what is it that's like... If we were like, hey, we have, a, any, we have a magic fridge over here. What do you want right now? Oh, my God. Like, what is your peakish thing that you will always go to? It's also the first time I've used peakish. You know what? Peak-ish. Right now, it's oh, chips. What kind of like, chips? Yeah. Oh, barbecue chips. Barbecue. Yeah, barbecue Kettle chips. or like regular? You know what? Here's the thing. Kettle, I'm fine with. But like, if I'm like, if my teeth are going to fall out when I'm eating it because it's so hard, then I'm like, get out of here with that. Yeah, no thank but you. I, but I don't also play that Lay's game where it's like, I'm going to, I have to take this out of the bag and put it directly in my mouth or else it will blow away and disintegrate in the wind. Right. Like, I don't play that like, game. Like, where do you live on like Cape Cod? Cape Cod chips. Yeah, sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. Those, I mean, those, here's the thing. Great. But those sometimes I'm like, ooh, that's a lot of crunch. Ooh, my molar. You know what I mean? Like that could go at the beginning of our so show. So what is the barbecue chip uh, brand that we should? In be case they want to sponsor no, at the table oh podcast, Lord, I don't know. You're you're an you're an ecumenical. This is like a non-denominational. Yeah, chip no, no. Like, like I mean, look, like also like if you put anything in front of me, like I'll unhinge my jaw like a snake and eat it. So yeah. like it does just like I'll eat the whole bag if I'm hungry. Um, I mean, you know what? I, no, I will say this. I'm going to revise my answer. Cape Cod potato chips, but the reduced fat version is the best. The best. 
Really? Yeah. What you know, I've never do? tried that just because. No, you know, it's like, 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 have you ever eaten Triscuits? Yeah. Have you ever had the reduced fat Triscuits? Yeah, they're, they're garbage. No, they're even better. No, they're good. I, I agree like with you, but I don't know why. Is it a sugar thing? I don't know, I think you know. it might be a sugar thing, guys. That's the one thing I've been actually very, I've been monitoring very closely is sugar, like mm-hmm. hidden sugars. I'm like, oh my god! In bread, I was you saw that. Grams? You saw that uh, Netflix documentary. Uh, no, I was no. I think I just like was like, you know what it was? It I was looking at like yogurt, like just like Greek yogurt, and I was like, what? No. Yeah. And I don't taste it. Yeah. Come on. Which is a waste, in my opinion. If you can't taste the sugar, yeah. Then why a, put it there? Yeah. 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 Justin, uh, we're making Marcus mad now, so I just want to thank you for coming. <laughs> oh, please, we, my we managed to avoid tangents nearly for an entire interview. And then um, we went right off the rails. Woo-hoo. Which I'm, I'm enjoying. Yeah, I can't tell you, we we are very, very lucky to have had your play on It's uh, so uh, good. On I mean, podcast, look, And we're very lucky to have had you here today. Thank look, you so Thank much you, guys. I mean, you know, you're doing a wonderful thing for for people who kind of like are doing this and are like, I just don't know where to put this. You know what I mean? Plays and, out in the world, man. Yeah. That's and, what we and need. And it was, I, I will say this, this might be inside baseball, but like the fact that like I didn't cast it was the most amazing thing for me because it was like, let me see what someone else without me putting my hands on it has to, what this is. And that was like the like the coolest thing and the best thing. Cool. And then the people we got, like honestly, if you haven't listened to the podcast, please stop <laughs> now and go back. Um, please I, go on our I, website as well and check out some of these. The, we'll the, have- The yeah. people we got for this- mm. Stupid good. They're stupid yeah, good. Yeah, magic, magic people. It's mean. We'll have bios it's and mean headshots how good they are. on our website as well. What's that me- uh, website again, Ned? Chargingmoosemedia.com slash at the table podcast. And if you are a playwright and you have any interest in having your play featured on our podcast, there's a submission form at the bottom of that page. Please send it our way. We would love to read it. We, yeah, have, we actually have a submission form for actors as well if you're interested in being one of the people that we praise uh, heavily on all of these podcasts. Um, and I, I'm not going to be able to mention all of them so please do check on that website but we do thank Zach Prince and AJ Shively and Matt Silva and all these incredible actors that we had that day um, but yeah thanks for joining us in the oh, story thanks for having me guys yes queens yes queens yes This episode of At the Table, a play reading series is brought to you by graphic designer Haley Shibble, who designed our logo. This episode was also brought to you by the Drama Bookshop. It was edited and mixed by Marcus Thorne Begala, recorded at Newslight Studios in Astoria, New York, music by Marcus Thorne Begala, and as always, our hosts are Rachel Flynn and Ned Donovan. At the Table, a play reading series is produced by Charging Moose Media, telling great stories through new media. And as always, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the program. Every little bit helps towards going to produce more episodes and more seasons of the show for you guys. We'll catch you next time.